Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we are building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton from Lift and Love, and I will show you how to lean into your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ. And I am Jenny Hunter of Jenny Hunter Coaching. I will help you identify obstacles that could get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships and realizing the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons we've learned through our own lives, the experiences of families we've worked with, and conversations with amazing experts. Hello, beautiful people. I've changed it from hello, ladies, because we have more than ladies listening, which we love. And so we are we want all the people to feel welcome to our podcast, because today we have somebody very exciting. We have Anita Irvin. And Anita runs our transgender non-binary mom support group. And yesterday was her very first time. (laughs) And we want to get her feedback and we want to introduce her to you and uh, some of her experiences. So we should, let's just jump right in, Anita. All right. I'm glad to be here. I think it's a little... (laughs) It's a little bit, it's new for me to be in this space and be in a, on a more public platform. So, well, and I should sure. just say, I was in a meeting with Anita and I knew that I wasn't the right person. We had started this transgender non-binary space. Um, I felt inspired to do it. Mm-hmm. And we had tried a couple different versions, including with a great therapist, but it just didn't, it wasn't feeling right. And I knew that I was not the person because I don't have experience with a transgender child. And one of the most important things is experience. Right, and to know the pain points, yep. So I went into this meeting just praying for help as I always am. And, And Anita was like a bright light in this meeting and she would say things and I would say, oh my gosh, that is, exactly what I think, or that's how I would have responded. And, and I mentioned just offhandedly that I was looking for a mom that would be more, um, it would be better suited for the job. And I wrote down Anita's name, I'm calling her in the morning. And I did, but Anita texted me and said, I would love to do that. And I just knew that this was the path. So Anita, thank you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for being ready. And being an answer to her prayer. I mean, thank you for making the space for me to come to, to join, because I feel like I was more strengthened um, just by participating in that. And that's what I love about these groups that you, at least my experience with these groups that you do is that it's not a place where we go and we all cry together and say, oh, woe is me. We have, you know, LGBTQ kids. That's not, none of us want that. We're there because we're strengthening each other as we walk this path. It's not a challenge. It's just different than what we expected. And, um, Great way of putting that, just, Anita. I love that. See, yeah. there it is. There, there it all is right there. What makes yep. Anita amazing for this, because that is the message. Like this is God's work, raising children who are not well understood by the world, uh, right. but protecting them and loving them. And most importantly, reaching back to God for help because the world yeah, doesn't right. understand our children, nor do a lot of people in the church. So it right, really right. is up to us. Right. And this is, and it's something worth fighting for. You know, oh. I hear a lot that there it's, it's hard 
to make space for some people in, in the church for our LGBTQ kids and brothers and sisters because of the revealed doctrine and, and some of those you know things. It's just not an easy space to be in, but it's important because I think that, that our faith in Christ is worth fighting for, and I think the church is worth fighting for, and our um, LGBTQ kids are worth fighting for, every single one. We don't have to choose. And um, we people who are just trying to do the right thing need to know that, and they need to see that, that this is the path. Every So many parents, and, and I know you've seen this over and over again, when their kids come out, they feel so strongly that their only job is to love that child, yes. not to try to change them, not to try to help them repent or go on a different path. It's just to love them, and the Lord will handle the rest. Yes. And so I think that's an important direction that we need to be taking as a church. I love that. And, and, you know, I love it. Jenny and I have spent uh, maybe countless hours talking about how important it is that parents actually feel the confidence of the Savior in this, mm -hmm. because it is yeah. hard for them to reach to that. They The, the messaging kind of messes up, up your parent. It gets in the way of your parenting. Right. Like good parents all of a sudden don't know what to do. Right. And, right. Because, yeah, because we do get that message, love them, but nobody will teach us better than the savior, how to love up. Yes, right. Like that is where we get messed up. It's okay. Well, what does this look like now? How, because it is different and really having the savior become your personal tutor on that is key. And right. really keeping everybody else away from that channel. Right. right. You know, and, and it's interesting like we've all heard the expression, I think that faith and fear cannot coexist together. And I think as a parent of a queer trans child, one of the first things we feel is fear for like eternal salvation, right? Because we, you know, we all know what the church teaches and, and the doctrine and all of that. Um, and so I've had to make a very conscious effort to let go of my fear and, and build on my faith because I don't think there's any reason to be afraid. And my fear does what? Nothing. It just harms my relationship with my child. But my faith in Christ, and as I grow closer to Christ, it strengthens my relationship with my child. Absolutely. And so to me, that's such a testimony builder that that's the right direction. And your testimony, your relationship with God, with Christ. Yes. Oh, so much. So right? much. And I yeah. think sometimes in our fears, we put a sort of a, a limiting box around God. Mm -hmm. He can't, like... I mean, if we really say it out loud, it's ridiculous, right? Like, what can't right. you do? Right. There's nothing you can't do. And nothing. There, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't even know what he can do. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's kind of like a mom. There's just nothing we can't do, right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but we, what we do know is that as much as we love our children and want what's best for them, he wants that more. Yeah. Our heavenly parents want what is best. And... Um, Sometimes it just means that we have to get out of the way and let them do it. That's and, um, right. you know, because I, I can't convert anybody. <laughs> I right. know and the spirit does all of that. But if, if they're we in have a place of hurt and pain, how is right. God going to reach them? We need to help them be okay emotionally and spiritually and physically and let God take care of the rest. Yes. Right. And that's redefining what is best because we um, have this vision of what is best for our children. And usually we're wrong on that. And that takes some humbleness of the parent to be like, oh, I thought I knew what was best. Right. right. So I, that is, that's really the key is really to, um, letting God teach you what is best for your child and stop assuming what is best. So, right. but Anita, what is your story? How did you yeah. come to this work? 
Oh, sure. So um, I, I guess about almost three years ago, our oldest child went to BYU-Idaho for two semesters and came home and um, we were driving in the car one day, and this is always, for some reason, the car is always the, the time that this child would want to start a conversation with me, maybe because oh. I couldn't make eye contact. I don't know. <laughs> it was safe. Yep. <laughs> right. And so, um, and they said, and I'm going to use um, pronouns they. At the time, um, our oldest was still um, not transgender. They, they, you know, were just um, socially, I guess, female, but out of respect for for him, I'm going to use either they or him for, for my pronouns for, for him, um, for, you know, now that even though I'm talking about past tense. So, so he, um, he said, would you ever kick me out of the house? <laughs> it was like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if you were a deadbeat living on my couch and not working, you know, that was, that was my Being video games all day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And he said, um, he said, well, I am pansexual. And that was how they came out. In the, in the beginning was as pansexual. And then over several months and more, you know, there, and I've heard this from multiple parents is that it, especially with the trans kid, it usually doesn't start with trans, right? Mm -hmm. It starts with pansexual or lesbian or gay, or there's some orientation in there as well. Not, not all the time. I'm not, obviously everybody has a different experience, but it's not unusual for there to be an orientation uh, question in there as well. So, um, and then, so, so that was the beginning of our journey was, was, a, you know, a, a, a identification as a, as a pansexual or a lesbian. Do you want to explain and, pansexual real quick? Yeah. Um, yeah. From what I understand and, um, is that pansexual means that you are attracted to more or less people and personalities like gender has no impact on whether or not you're going to be attracted to somebody. Right. Um, it's a little bit crass, but I think it's appropriate to say is basically what Oliver has said that whatever's in the pants doesn't matter to whether or not you're going to love somebody. Like it's just, it's just a personality thing. So, um, so that's what, that's what pansexual is. It's not bisexual because bisexual imply that sex is a binary thing that's either male or female. And that's not always the case when you talk about social gender. So um, I've had to, so, so that was the beginning of our of our, I guess, journey down this LGBTQ path. And then um, I knew that there were some other concerns and questions that, that our oldest wasn't necessarily talking with me about, but had, would allude to from time to time. And then at Christmas time, um, they came to me and asked me to read a letter that they had written to my mother. And this child was named after my mother. Um, and wanted to keep a form of that name as their transgender masculine name because that was meaningful to them. And so I love my mother because I'm pretty sure, I don't know what her response was to that letter, but I know that it was one written in love and acceptance. And that was very, very difficult, I think, for my very conservative 76-year-old mother um, who yeah. has always been very conservative with her religion or whatever it was. She started off Methodist and then converted to the LDS church in the, in the 70s. So um, so fortunately, the, re the response has always been one of love, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I thought I was fine with everything. Um, and then when Oliver came out as transgender masculine, 
it was almost like I had to start over. It was a different type of grief. And the thing I've, I've learned is that what I'm grieving for really are just my expectations. They're not, I'm not grieving really for, I mean, I'm grieving that I, that his life's going to be harder than it would be otherwise. But um, one of the things that I realize is that I, I want, I want to have straight cisgender kids. Like I do, I want it because I think that life will be easier. I think they're going to be able to just grow up and get married and have kids and do all the things that we kind of expect their lives to turn out like, but mm -hmm. let's be honest, let's look around. How many straight cisgender people do you know who've had a pretty crappy lot in life? They've had yeah. abusive marriages yeah. or drug yeah. addictions or whatever, like that's no guarantee for happiness. And so once I could identify that that's what was going on, then I could say, oh, well, what I long for is for my child to be able to live an authentic life is their whole self and be loved and cherished and appreciated. That's what I long for. I long for them to have an honest relationship with other people so that they can also have an honest relationship with God should they choose to do so. And so that kind of erased, you know, in a lot of ways, it helps replace that grief with these desires that I think are more in line with what God would want me to want for them, you know, going through the motions of uh, quote unquote, typical happy LDS life, that doesn't save anybody. It doesn't really make bring happiness. What brings happiness is a divine relationship and being able to live and be your whole self. Yeah. There's no guarantee either way. You know, no. when we re really realize that fact of like, um, what we think is easier, what we assume. And I love how you question that in your mind. How did you do that? Was there any yeah, step or anything? Like, how did you make that transition? Cause you really did it from dirty to clean paint. And mm -hmm. you know, how did you do that? Can you even identify what got you there? To that, well, <laughs> So I'll, I'll give a little plug. I love so many of the books that have been written here recently. Um, Charlie Bird, Ben Shalady, Shalady. I'm going to say his last Shalady. name wrong. And um, and even um, Tom Christofferson. I've I've listened to all three of those audiobooks um, through the mm -hmm. Bookshelf app um, for Desert Book, and because um, I did a lot of driving for work. And it was actually Charlie's book um, that I realized in listening to what he was going through as a gay member of the church and feeling so. Um, I'm going to use the word ashamed to just be himself and unseen, you know, like the difference in, in, in what he, his life as living this secret with this shame, what he, you know, felt like was the shameful secret of his orientation versus, you know, how he felt when he came out to Heavenly Father, um, like the, I, I realized I didn't want that for my kid. I didn't want them to have to go through this life just feeling hurt. And, and I, in my personal family, like growing up, um, we, um, I had a father who experienced same-sex attraction. And I'm not going to go into a lot of details about that story, but I believe that he just was so ashamed and so and that that's what made him so unhappy like and he ended up passing away of, of AIDS in 1991 when I was 14 well, and uh, or 13 yeah, I guess I know that. yeah and so I I thought of him when you actually talked about your brother Allison um, because that impacted as well what my what I wanted for my kids um, and for Oliver is that I don't 
I don't want them to be ashamed. I don't want them. That was the part that hurt so much. It wasn't the, 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 the same sex attraction. It was the shame that accompanied it. And there's no reason for that. You know, and the thing with being a transparent is I feel like, or, or non-binary is that I, I think because this idea of gender being a spectrum, you know, and that's, this is a new, a newer concept for me. Um, and by the way, if you don't understand something, ask somebody and listen and then believe them. I'm just going to put that plug out there. I still don't fully understand everything about what it's like to be um, transgender or non-binary, but I'm trying and I'm listening. And that just means so much to, um, for any any space. So if, if you don't know, just keep reading and asking and listening. Um, but but one of the things that I've struggled with is that it almost felt more like, and I'm going to use this word that we hate to use in this space, a choice. <laughs> you know, mm. it's 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 easier. I think we're at the point now where all of us understand that sexual orientation is not a choice, right? It, mm. it just is. And there are people that wish they could be straight and had tried for years and years and years and they just can't make happen. So when it came to being a transgender mom, I have to believe my child when they say that this is something they feel like they need to do. And this is how they feel. You know, I grew up and I was a tomboy. <laughs> I didn't even question my gender identity. I was just a tomboy. That was what I was, yeah. you know? And so I think we have to just be really, really careful, you know, with these kids in this space right now, it's so hard um, for them, you know, Oliver, I think, lives a little bit in fear of going to the doctor and if they're going to be treated, if they could be denied care. Like there's all these issues that I don't even think about. And a lot of times um, where sexual orientation is covered with um, civil rights protections, transgender is not. Gender identity is not. And so that's kind of a sore spot. And I don't know what all the right answers are as far as politics and policy, but um but it is, it's, it's a challenge. Um, so, um, you know, yeah, so when, when they, when Oliver came out as, and I love that you brought up the choice because boy, I've never even thought about that as a gay your mom with a gay, cause I'm like, it's not a choice when, you know, right. if he could be straight, he would, he's told me that, you know, and like, I've never thought like about the transgender, but I, that is such a good point for all of us to ponder and to see too, that it's, it's regard like, you know, I get all the time parents who say, well, this is just a phase and they're going to, especially with yes. like transgender, because it does kind of go right in phases. And so they think like, oh, right. what's going to be next. Right. And that is the wrong question, right? Like mm -hmm. you have to really believe whatever truth they're giving you then if you want a whole child, you right. know, and so I love how you help parents focus on the now and not like what they think it is or why or how they got there. That's not the important part. Right. Well, and so. I think it's important what you said, what you longed for. And I don't have your words perfectly, but was a whole child. Yeah. A whole child. And I think I remember saying to a therapist once when we were kind of introducing this, this was before Jake came out, but it was like, I want a healthy, happy child. And I just remember thinking, what a weird thing to say. <laughs> but, but, uh, but like you, I'd seen the dark side right. of shame and secrecy and hiding mm -hmm. and no path. No. 
And so what I wanted from my son desperately was something different. I knew I couldn't change his orientation. Right. But man, I really wanted to change the outcome. And I like how you say that so honestly. And, and I think, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking of all the moms who have changed things for, I mean, think about like the moms of autistic kids, what they've had to do to get legitimacy for their children. The moms of children in wheelchairs and getting access to uh, being able to get them in and out of elementary schools and high schools and fought by moms. Right. wanted a whole child as whole as the child could possibly be and and that and and fathers too but moms end up taking the brunt of it right doing the brunt of the work and and that's what we see over and over and over again mothers who want Right. And one of the things I realized is this idea that we all want to have your stereotypical happy child that can live a whole life it's so shallow that we think that it's the surface because we're only looking at surface things and um and I've I've been going back and listening to some of your earlier podcasts and I was listening to the one um recently where I think you guys were talking to Jenny's son Nick I said his Mm -hmm. name and then you talked about how you were just able to love him like you could love him for being who he was like having going through this journey instead of what he'd accomplished, you know? And I, and I feel that like, I, you know, I, my kid, he's going to be 21 this month. Like he's so, he's so young still and has so much to figure out. Um, but man, there's such an awesome person, you know, he's just a good person. He's trying to be responsible. He's not living on my couch. (laughs) Doesn't even live in my house and he doesn't play video games. No, I'm just joking, but (laughs) no, but yeah, the shit, this, what this does, which, um, this gift from this process of being a mother, uh, of any child on the LGBTQ spectrum is, um, it shifts you from the accomplishments to the whole person. Yeah, and, right. you know, as you guys were all saying that whole ha- happy person, that is the common denominator for all moms and dads, right? Mm-hmm. And so if parents who are listening to this, who do not have a child on, H- on the LGBTQ spectrum, we want the same things for our children that you want, mm-hmm. yes. right? It's just a little bit harder for us because it's not such a clear path of what we think that is. And it's, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of obstacles that we have to mm-hmm. overcome. Well, but we want the same things. And we bump yeah. it where, where, where uh, mothers and more typical children get support, getting their children along the line. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, the dating, the meet, you know, is your kid, has she, has she found someone to love? You know, we end up being <laughs> the moms that, that people don't talk to about that stuff. Right. Right. Because, because of the shame. Yes. The yes. Shame and nobody, you know, there's not a path. Yeah. A lot and there's nothing path. worse. And I, you know, and, and I hope that anybody who might know me, who hears this, if they feel like they're this person, I hope they don't feel bad, but I'm going to say this. It broke my heart every time I would tell somebody, um, it, cause I, when, when Oliver first came out, um, you know, I would only tell very close friends. I, until um, you posted the introduction for me on the Instagram page, I, that was the first time that I've actually been, we came out as a family, if you will, like people know we're not hiding it. Well, no, no, it's fine. It was good. It was good. But I didn't realize it was going to feel that way because we're, we're, it's, 
it's one part of who my child is. It's not their whole personality. It's not everything. And so, and Oliver just wants to be treated like a normal person. He doesn't want to be treated like a trans person. He doesn't want to be treated like a queer person. He just wants to be treated just a person. And because that's what they are, they're just a person. And so, um, and I've had to, you know, reassure him if, if the time ever comes that they just feel like I'm talking about him too much I'll step down from this because my relationship with my child is the most important thing Absolutely. um you know but I do feel like I can do some good in this space because my child's out that's very liberating to have a child that's out because you can talk about it and you can talk with other people about it and so many people have reached out to me privately um to say Hey, my kid's not out. I can't tell you who there's this person, but, and ask me questions. And so the fact that they know where to go to ask questions for somebody who's not, you know, disillusioned with the church or who's, who's trying to live and hold on to all the good parts of their life. Like that's a privilege, I think, to be able to have a kid that's out because you can talk about it. Um, You've become a safe place for other moms. Like you put your oxygen mask on and now you can help other moms do that. And I I feel the same word privilege. I love that you said that it's and we could just acknowledge that to the parents who are suspecting that the child Mm -hmm. hasn't come out yet or isn't ready to come out to the world yet like we feel for you Mm -hmm. that's a hard space to hold because as with every one of us we want about we want that connection and belonging right and it is there's studies that show that people get better when they come out. Mm-hmm. Their mental health improves as they come out to more and more people. So when people say, I don't know why people need to come out or identify themselves, it's because they're hurting and the cure is to come out. So mm-hmm. it's a natural, healthy, healing part of being a whole person, a whole right. healthy person that we want, right? Well, and I've heard just recently, I had a friend that reminded me, I've heard this somewhere else, but is the expression, instead of coming out, it's inviting in. So instead of coming out of a closet, you're inviting people into your whole life. And I I love the connotation of that as well, because you do, you want to, that's really what it is, is you're inviting people into this space where you're very vulnerable and they can hurt you. Isn't that so true? That is really beautiful. It is. Yeah. So when you recently just came out, came out on social media and you Mm -hmm. said you didn't know how that was going to feel, how did it feel for you and your family? Um, I, it was beautiful. I was looking for some way to put something on social media about Pride Month. And I didn't want to just like change my profile, like frame and say I'm an ally because I feel like I'm so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also knew that people who don't know my story um, and don't know our family's story could be very judgy. And I'm mature enough to say that I can say, I really just want people to like me. But I'm also confident enough in myself to say, whether or not you do, it's not going to change my choices, but it does hurt. It does hurt when people don't like me or when I feel like I'm being judged, especially on judged unfairly, and I'm just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And so um, I, I'm very grateful that so many people um, expressed love and support 
and anybody who disagreed with me didn't say anything. And maybe I had a lot of silent friends and that's okay. Um, I wasn't counting and looking to see who liked it and who didn't or who commented and who didn't. I don't keep score. I don't keep score in my relationships. Um, but, you know, for those who were supportive um, and I had somebody even privately ask me, she's a, a nurse, I believe, for her job. And she's like, so we had a trans patient come in for the first time. And 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 is it OK? How, how can I and was asking me questions like, how can we be respectful? You know, though I love those questions because you just really have to ask, you know, that's really just ask. And don't even ask me. Ask your patient. <laughs> ask anyone. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I have this theory that. Um, that so many of us, especially in the church, just want permission to ask and love and support. Mm-hmm. There, there's not, there's not an implied, um, there's not implied permission yet. Yeah. And so, as mothers, we can give permission. Mm-hmm. Yes, love and support. And I love what you were saying about your silent friends. It makes me think of Bambi. My mom used to say, you know, Bambi's mom. She'd say. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. <laughs> and I think that's some really good wisdom right there. Yeah. Especially but if, if unless if you want to ask questions, ask questions. Mm-hmm. Don't don't replace, you know, don't hand over judgment and ask questions, but just ask questions and say, you know, wow, interesting. Let me think about that. Yeah. And I'm gonna assume that all my friends who didn't say anything, who read it and weren't making a comment. I don't think they were judging me. I'm just coming from the perspective of, I think they're still gathering information. I think for a lot of people, it's still really new. You know, when we, when, when Oliver first came out, um, I remember looking in my ward and there were people I knew who had been vocally supportive and people who I considered straight middle of the road on the gospel path, members of our ward, solid, who were vocally supportive of their brother's gay marriage or of, you know, this and that and the other. And I, I looked to them for an example and I thought, okay, can I, and I know you guys have addressed this question before, can I still remain solidly faithful in the church and be hundred percent supportive of my, my child and their lives and their decisions? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You can. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to choose. No. And actually doing that teaches you a higher level of honoring our covenants. That's what I, I believe. So yeah. I, you know? I believe in many ways that this journey we're all on of learning to without reservation, love our LGBTQ members and family members and children. It's almost like our walk to the desert, like to the Salt Lake Ooh, I love that You know, analogy. I do yes. feel like as a very, we are on a pioneer journey yeah, and yeah. Um, it's, it's sometimes hard and it's sometimes painful, but the uh, it's worth every single step. It's worth every price we ever have to pay because of the increase in the love I feel for my savior and my testimony of him. And it's refocused my teachings in our family. We have younger kids. I'm not afraid of the influence that Oliver is going to have on them. You know, he's got a girlfriend. He's got, you know, he's a, he, he's, you know, we are, I'm not afraid because I teach my kids truth and I teach them to have a relationship with Christ. And that's totally different. I didn't focus so much on that four years ago. Right. You it know, was more so, of a checking a box probably, right? Well, and we struggled. I mean, honestly, COVID was the best thing for our family because we got regular scripture study in for the first time ever, you know, so, and we had more yeah. gospel conversations for the first yeah. time ever, but yeah, but it's totally shifted, you know, before we'd like talk about everything in the gospel. And now every lesson comes back to Christ, every single one. 
because that's the only way to go. Everything does come back to Christ. It's not me just trying to hold on to the one thing I that can be consistent. It's literally that is the one thing that is consistent. That's the yeah. one thing that will not fail us and is our relationship the, with Christ. That's what we talk about is having confidence mm-hmm. in the uncomfortable. Having yeah. confidence in Christ in the uncomfortable situation of not actually fitting into the gospel mm-hmm. the way we thought we did for a minute. You yeah. know, we had, we had this idea that we were fitting squarely and we're not. So now no. we're in an uncomfortable situation that we can have confidence in Christ. Yeah. And that he and I'll be there. And I tell you, I think that I am more confident and comfortable in this, what I call the space of, I don't know, um, than I ever was before. And I thought I had a rock solid testimony of the gospel. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to minimize the testimony that I had. I mean, it's just a process, right? Through our lives, we grow. Our testimonies grow with every curve in the road. Um, we get closer, we get further away. But I, uh, it's just such a beautiful thing to see that get boiled down. It's, it's kind of like having a life or death situation where all of a sudden you realize what really matters and what doesn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it is, it's almost it's like a death of an expectation. You have to realize what matters and what doesn't. Right. But like you put it the refocus. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. So you're two years down this path. And so if I am a parent who suspects or my child just came out a transgender, like what advice, what was the best piece of advice that you could give me? I would say start now um, having the conversations of love and openness and let your child um, do whatever makes them most comfortable. Um, I have a younger child, a, another daughter who um, who I know doesn't like to wear a skirt. <laughs> they went wow. to prom in pants, slacks and a nice, they dressed up. But I realized because I'm paying attention now, now I don't think this kid's transgender. I, I, you know, I, that's not, not what I'm trying to say, but I, not all women like to wear skirts. And so I realized that if I want this child to feel comfortable at church for the rest of their life, I need to make sure that they know there's a space for them to feel comfortable. So whatever it is that your kid is struggling with, give them permission to do it. And my husband and I sat her down and said, Hey, the important part about church is you wear your best and you be respectful. And if you're more comfortable in this, you go right ahead and they've done it, you know? And so that's what I would say is just love, 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 but make space and make space for there to be questions. You don't know the answers to Um, express love and open-mindedness. I, I think one of the things that was most valuable in getting me to this place was about seven years ago. And it was the time there was, you know, all the political fighting was going on about making gay marriage legal again, or same sex marriage. And so, and I remember being struck. And at this time, remember, I thought my whole family, all my kids were straight. You know, I had extended family that wasn't, but I remember just being struck with this realization that so many people were upset about same-sex relationships, but not upset about heterosexual relationships outside of marriage, like the double standard was there. And I thought, what in the world is going on? And then I realized that I needed to teach my children, by example, how we can love people and not have to agree with everything. And so, and and at the time in our family, we had somebody who was in a same-sex relationship and it was like, you know, that we had a a come to Jesus moment with the whole family about like, you don't have to qualify to be in this family. You just are. And I love that phrase. Bring them. We can love them too, you know, and you don't have to qualify to be in this family. 
If we but could that, view that as as being part of our gospel family, our eternal family, right? right. Oh, so and so if we could just God's family. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't. And that was actually, yeah. I if so if if I could give one piece of advice, that would be it, probably. Yeah. It's number one, make a safe space for them, but two, start giving that message that everyone is loved, everyone is cherished, that. and there are no conditions attached to that. I love it. I love, okay. it. I love how the Lord prepared you seven years ago. Like, right? Yeah. Like that's so great. That was a that was a long time ago. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Gave you a long runway. Hey, so I have <laughs> you a probably question. knew I needed it. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, we all do. Um, what what is I'm gonna ask one more question before we wrap okay. up, but what is what is your goal for the for the trans non-binary group support group? Do you have a goal or yeah, I think if I were to say my goal would be to, and I think I've already said this today, but to make sure or to, to help people come from a place of faith, not fear. And, you know, if we think that our, our trans non-binary kid has to change in order to be accepted by God, they're never going to believe any different because they can feel that from us. Right. So as parents, we need to believe it, not just say it, but we need to believe it and know it, that God has a place for every single person, um, whatever their gender identity, whatever their sexual orientation, what you know, whatever. Um, God made us all. And somebody in our group today or yesterday said, you know, is there a place that does God have a place for us by him? Of course he does. He died for all of us. He wants all of us there. And so I think that if I were to pick one thing, that would be the goal is, is to help us all feel comfortable in this space of knowing that our kids are not forgotten. And th things are a little bit trickier, I think, at church for non-binary or trans kids because so many things are differentiated by gender, like Relief yeah. Society, priesthood classes, evil temple ordinances. And so it gets it gets messy sometimes. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we can't move forward with confidence um, and, and love people where they are. Um, and that's, if I want my kid to have a relationship with God, then I need to have a good relationship with them because they're, if they don't think that I can accept them as they are, how would they ever believe that God could? I'm their mom. There is nobody on this planet that should love them more than me and their dad, not a single person. And so, um, yeah. So I guess that would be it is, is teach them how to help each other love with, without fear. That is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. How do you expect them if, if we don't love them? I mean, that is, how can they expect, how can they feel the love of the Savior if they can't feel the love of their parents? Right. And so many of our kids have, have walked away from their faith in Christ yeah. as they've walked away from the church. Um, maybe their love for me is the only way they're going to feel God's love at this time in their life. And yeah. man, it's worth it. If that's, if that's the only way they get it then my gosh, I'm going to do it because Who I better? know how much having a divine relationship has strengthened me. Yeah. yeah. And I love, uh, we were talking about your group that you just had this week where mm -hmm. um, you were talking about how all parents were on such a different level of like the journey of where they right. were at and how you were helping each other. And like, I think, you know, HT, um, I just keep saying HTV. 
LGBTQ <laughs> parents feel alone. But then I think another layer when you are a transgender parent, it is another depth, like you said, because it is a lot more messier at church. It is, mm-hmm. it's another level of pain. And how is it now that there is a space where you have these parents who are trying to figure it out with church, not walk away, trying to keep their kids like have a place for them. Like what, what have you learned and what do you think the parents are getting out of these groups? Um, I can, I think only speak for myself and what I've gotten out of it. And that is just because I, I just still feel really unqualified <laughs> sometimes to be here because I don't think I'm anything special over. And there's so many parents who are doing it and doing a great job. And we're all, you know, some days we do better than others. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what I have gotten out of it is empathy from someone who knows without pity or sympathy or any of those negative things, mm-hmm. um, who understands the beauty of this journey while also understanding the challenges of the journey, not of the kid, not of their orientation or gender identity, but who understands the, I like the word, the phrase you use pain points, who understands the pain points, but who also is able to move forward with faith without feeling like our kids are just broken and need to be fixed because they're not, they're not gender identity is not a sin either. Yeah. Oh, that's beautifully stated. All right. So when are like, they're once a month, do once a month, Second Tuesday of every month, it's 10 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. Um, I'm on the East Coast, so it's noon for me. Um, We're trying to keep them closer to an hour. Um, Today or yesterday's ran about an hour and 15, but because it's during the day and many of us are working parents, I'm trying to respect the time. And so, um, you know, I'm not rigid that if we go over, we do, but I am trying to keep it to about an hour for those who do have to leave um, and get back to work. So um, it's it's a great group. It's private. Um, It's not something that's just publicly posted. So parents, even if your kids aren't out, show up because no one's going to know you're there. We totally respect your privacy. We're a safe place. And it will, you know, there's things that I wish I'd known at the beginning of the journey. Those are the things we can talk about now. So if I was a new parent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Could you imagine if it went, once Oliver came out, like how, what you could have used with this group, how helpful it would have been? Oh, yeah. Well, as soon as I heard about this group, I knew I needed to be in it. I mean, just the fact that it exists uh, made me cry. <laughs> you just didn't know that the Lord wanted you to run it. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> Well, uh, the Lord does things in sneaky ways, getting us all where we are. (laughs) We only knew when we started. (laughs) And so to get the private Zoom link, you go to liftandlove.org and you sign up under, I think, Allison, is it a special trans link? And there is a trans non-binary link that will get you that particular link. And you will also be invited to the other, the two mama support groups, the parent group. And the, um, you can also sign the child up for your child who's under 18 or under for that particular group as well. So we just getting more amazing people just keep growing these groups. So creating safer places. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us you guys are doing amazing things. I'm just so grateful you're in this space. Well, it's, it's not as it's the the people showing up. Yeah. It's like you people who are showing up and the spirit they bring. It's, it's like we were talking before, you really feel like you're at the well and you're with these, all these other parents and the saviors, they're just teaching us the spirit in these groups. Um, I feel uplifted every time we leave a group. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. Anita, tell me what does lift and love mean to you? Oh, 
lift and love. I, I almost think of this as, I mean, yes, we're lifting our kids, but I think we're lifting each other as parents. We're lifting each other closer to Christ and, and onto the higher path that we need to be on. And we're loving our kids and each other. Um, but that's what I think of when I think of lift and love is lifting each other and loving our kids. Oh, thank you. That's perfect. perfect. You have such a way with words and the visualization. <laughs> oh, I know. It. Anita, oh. you are wonderful. You are a wonderful parent and a wonderful woman and a wonderful disciple. And we're so glad to have you. Thank you so much. And thanks for once again, exposing your family and your life. <laughs> It's already blessed. We can do. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's already blessed so many people. You probably don't even realize how many people have been blessed oh. by your story and your willingness to be vulnerable and share. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lift and Love podcast. And if you like what we share, we would be so grateful if you would leave us a five star rating. For more tips and resources, follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Lift and Love Org and Jenny Hunter Coaching. You can also go to liftandlove.org for loads of information and entry into our free support groups. If you're interested in personal coaching, sign up at jennyhuntercoaching.com. The first appointment is free. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.